Tomahawk, my little flute benders, and welcome to I Like to Movie Movie, the podcast about movie movies. My name is Garrett Smith. My name is Dan Scully, and thank you everyone for your patience. I know this one was a little bit delayed, but well, we have but good reasoning for it. Um, did you say? We're oh. in a brand new home. Oh yeah, we're in a brand new home. Yeah. I'm not in a brand new home. I'm in a movie brand new movie's home. Movie's in a brand new home yes. because Movie Movie Studios is now Murder House Studios. <laughs> that's right. Or I mean, that doesn't have to be official. No, that's official. We yeah. live in Murder House now. Uh, we're here with Tori Potenza. Say hello, Tori. Hello. I am also in the murder house. Yes. Me and Tori live in the murder house together, and that will be the new home of Movie Movie Studios. So thank you for waiting for us. Yes. I know it's a week and a day late, I believe. I think. Um, but it was all for good reason. Yeah. Uh, podcasts are going to get much chiller because we got more space to do them yeah. in. Yeah. And uh, I think... I guess now is probably the time to announce, due to vacation times, oh, yeah. there might be a future delay. But I think we'll have uh, this episode and maybe one more I in think it so. before a delay. I think we'll still end up squeezing two episodes in this month. Like, yeah, I think yeah, ultimately yeah. it'll be... We can we can squeeze it yeah. in there. But uh, yeah, so there's going to be... I got to do some traveling, and uh, so there might be a small delay it's there. It's exciting travel. But you're still listening to the end of your episode, so you won't, it's neither here <laughs> yeah, nor there. Yeah, exactly. And also, a big thank you to Noah Houlihan of yes. Plus Two Comedy, who is, I believe, like an hour and 40 minutes into his Movie Movie Challenge. Which is last year's best of? Last year's best of. We recently just did the best of thus far. But uh, the rules that he's following are anytime that a movie is mentioned at all, be it in the list or not, uh, he has to watch it if he hasn't already seen it. And, and turns he stops out he's, listening to the podcast. Turns out he's not seen most of the movies that we just casually referenced. How many movies has he had to I watch? I believe so he's up to 85 movies. Yeah, he's like Whoa. 85 movies. He's about an hour and 20 minutes into that show, which, by so, the way, is four, four and a half hours yeah, it's, long. He's not even near halfway yet. And he's That's almost watched 100 movies. Yeah. We're going to get to the end of your episode before uh, he finishes before he last finishes. year's. Yeah. But the, the cool thing is, is because now I know this is a thing, we're just going to litter that episode with singular references to terrible movies. Yeah. Just I'm, to let him know. I'm just going to bring up uh, C-Spot Run yeah, so but that like, he gets to watch that David Arquette movie. And I could name, uh, what's the one? Oh, uh, Nine Lives. Yes, With yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, illustrious we and beloved, we beloved his star... Uh, you might know him from Superman <laughs> Returns. Uh, yeah, you know, let's just not say his name. I can't think of it. He's yeah. ar- we've already erased him from public consciousness. Yeah, so much I'm really I like spacing out yeah. on uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. I, I can't figure it uh-huh. out. But yeah, but thank you guys. Yeah. Uh, so if we, we sound have... a little different, that's why new space. Yeah, new space. Yeah, uh, which will be you know further arranged and changed as time goes on. We're we're still working on things here. We had a little temporary setup in my living room, but uh, it's cool though. I'm on a couch. Yeah, Usually I'm in a, a right? wicker chair, yeah. and because I wiggle, yeah. it's like eat, 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 which yeah, is probably f- a fixture of the podcast. How do you now. feel? Is this better? Is this it's like awesome. you feel free? Do you I, feel I'm, I'm leaning back. Yeah, the problem dude. is you're leaning forward I to know. get your microphone, so it's blocking my eye well, line yeah. to Tori. Tori, and so I want to lean forward to uh, make sure we can all. That engage. way is that okay? Would you still be comfortable on that side of this table? Uh, yes, I would. Well, okay. You need more blankets to do You're it. Hear maybe some screeching because we have tile floors. Oh yeah. So yeah, our floors yeah. are made entirely of tiles. They're okay. colored the same as the Miami Dolphins. All the better for murdering, you see. It's very relaxing. Yeah, and yeah. it's uh, how the bodies, I assume, were easily and frequently cleaned up. 
Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Yep. So we have a, a it's going to be kind of a triumvirate of an episode. Yes. There's three things. I know we've all seen Midsummer. We're going to chat about a we're little do a bit. Little midsummer chat, um, I think. Just a little bit, I think. Just a little bit. We'll uh, do some spoiler free light Midsummer yes, chat. Yes, yes. Yeah. And then we're going to go into a deep dive on the Michael Mann movie Collateral. Yeah. But first, we owe it to uh, Tricoast Pictures, I believe. I think. Uh, I know it's Tricoast. I don't know if they go by Tricoast Pictures or Studios yeah. or whatever. Uh, they have a movie that's currently playing at the Ritz here in Philadelphia. Philadelphia called Violence Voyager. Yes. And they were kind enough uh, to have listened to the show and invited us to come out and check out the movie uh, on the, on their dime. Yeah. And so we did that earlier this we week. We did. And it was uh, it was uh, interesting. I think that I probably liked this movie a little more than you did. I, I know I that know. you didn't I, I did like it. it. Yeah. Uh, I certainly didn't dislike it. Yeah. I was impressed. I, you know, I actually felt the same way I felt about The Lion King. Okay, where sure. I was like, the craft on this is amazing, but I don't know how well I'm engaging with it. But I think that by the final act of this movie, the final it, act it definitely like really rips. Yeah. Um, I, I overall did like it, but it, I did it was, too. Uh, I think it may have been served better as a short film. I would but agree I would with that. understand that if you want to try and show how good you are at capturing cinema with this strange non-animation style, you want to go full length, and they really got a lot of mileage out of that. It's I've never seen uh, animation like this before. It's somewhat static. Well, I, I don't want to call entirely. it animation because the poster literally says this is not animation. Right, yeah, yeah. So I don't want to like mischaracterize it. I, but I guess you're right. It is live action in the sense that it, it is essentially like hand drawn and hand painted. It's like cutouts. Figures, cutouts. Yeah, yeah like cutouts. Fi- it's like a puppet show almost. Yeah, that that are moved across the screen in in you know literally by hand. It's not done the way early South Park was done, yeah. but without animating motion to their mouths or anything. Yeah. there's no actual animation. Right, it's there's just... no stop motion at all. They're mm-hmm. literally dragging pictures across the screen. But instead of being like color forms where yes. it's just a static background and they move them around. Uh, they must have made thousands of it's puppets crazy. for this because every angle is represented, uh, you know, in full texture. Yep. Uh, of uh, not so now I feel like you're leaning back to accommodate my slouch. No, I'm good. You good? You're We're good. good. Okay, yeah, okay. this is fine. You look very chill. Uh, no. I'm, I'm just trying to find the <laughs> right. Uh, from this angle, this. you don't look chill. I think from that angle, you probably. I think I look all right. How chill do I look? I mean, I was a little sarcastic, so I guess from both sides, you're not looking very <laughs> oh, chill. Oh, man, I don't look that chill, <laughs> you guys. sarcastic meter. Guys, you don't, I don't look chill. You don't look chill enough, You guys man. don't think I look chill? Dude, you guys sink into this couch, Brad. Oh, man, There's, like, dude. so many pillows on there. Yeah, get into it. But, yeah, the, the animation on it was so impressive. I'm saying animation <laughs> again. The uh, <laughs> It's just laying down. How chill do I we look now, dude? We couldn't do this dude? in the old kitchen. How chill do I look now? You look you look chill, but you also look like you can't breathe at all. <laughs> I feel like this uh, this fantastic visual sketch we're doing is probably not reading as no, well on no, the podcast. No. But it's reading great in your giant mirror wall. Oh, my cocaine wall? <laughs> your coke wall. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, if this house falls on its side, I know exactly where we'll do the coke. <laughs> right on that mirror wall. Yeah, uh, we're going to get... Uh, uh, oh, now I can't think of his name. I was going to make a rotating hallway reference. Oh, Christopher Nolan? Christopher Nolan. Yeah, yeah. Christopher Inception. Nolan in here. Well, let's go a different house. way. Let's get you neon like tube lighting around it. I mean, and I'm then you can throw me through it in a John Wick <laughs> homage. <laughs> I'm doing I'll that take no that. matter I'll take what. Those... <laughs> oh, fair enough. Yeah. So, but yeah, Violence Voyager, I will say the one thing that really got me is it has some fantastic body horror. Oh, yeah. And the way that the characters are like semi ignorant to the actual horror of the body horror is charming. It's that one of the best things about the movie is the voice acting. I think yeah, like yeah. the I, a lot of times uh, it, we saw an American dub of this. It's a Japanese movie. Um, I think a lot of times American dubs 
I can't. T- I don't know how to describe this, but I can't tell if the actors actually like get what they're doing or if they're mm-hmm. just giving their own interpretation of it. Sort of. Sans. You ever watch one of our cartoons? Like on the Simpsons DVDs, yeah. you can watch like the Simpsons in German. Yeah, and it's weird because the voices that they do, they don't try and do approximations of what Homer sounds like. Right. They just do another zany voice, mm-hmm. it, and it sounds weird. And I, I often feel like I'm watching that happening when I see something dubbed in English. Yeah, and this this feels like they get both the tone of this movie, and I would assume like actually listen to like the original Japanese tracks and sort of reproduce some of the uh, lack of emoting, we might call it, mm. uh, on, on some of the... Pro- it's just a very interesting dub where it feels like they totally get the joke of this movie, mm. uh, and it really makes it work really well, I think, to some extent. It's just the it, the, the non-animation style, as you, as you called mm. it, is I don't think entirely suited to what is going on here. To some extent it is, but I think it would have served it better as a short. As, as like a full length, it doesn't quite hold up to what they're doing in the story. I almost feel like the story needed to be crazier yeah, yeah, yeah. and faster mm. for this, anim- this non-animation style to be effective for 80 minutes. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Because I, really li- I actually really liked this. I just... It a little bit overstayed its welcome, mm-hmm. um, even though it gets much better as it kind of goes on. Like Have it, you ever seen a full-length Bill Plimpton movie? No. You know Bill Plimpton, the animator? Yeah. He makes, like, great shorts, but he makes, like, full-length movies, too. Like, yeah. the one I think of is How I... Uh, not How I... It's called I Married a Strange Person. Okay, I don't know uh, And everyone always wants to say How I Married an Axe or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, I Married a Strange Person. And it's one of those things where... Uh, you know, it's, it's so I married an expert. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah. I always want to call it. I married it, but it's just called I married a strange person. Yeah. And I remember watching it and just being like, "All right, that was like very cool, but eh, whatever." And it was just because of the length. It was a showcase yeah. of the most incredible animation, but it's just a tough line to walk. Yeah. And even though this isn't animation per se, it's dirty work. I will say, if you are into, even though we're uh, getting into the semantics of animation versus not, I think if you're into animation at all. I would or recommend puppetry. Uh, puppetry. I would recommend going to see this. Mm-hmm. I, I think the I've never seen a, a full length movie done in the style of this movie, and so I think on that alone, if you're like into that stuff, you should go see this movie. And this is one of those movies that it cannot be denied. denied. Like this is somebody's vision. Oh yeah, this yeah, is yeah. somebody's vision. This done is a full on movie, movie, and to its you know to its fullest extent. So yeah. like you gotta love that, and yeah. it is. I do need it's to like legit scary and yes. stuff. It's cool. I do need to warn you that it is all animated. But in animation, you will see a lot of little boys' penises. Uh, like, a lot. Uh, I was talking to Jenna about this, yeah. though. This is so interesting to yeah. me. That we see that, we go, hee-hee, tee-hee, little boys' penises, penises, yeah. do sex things. And yeah. that's, like, weird. But, like, it was just, like, the kids didn't have clothes on. I agree. And it's just very funny that that's something that we do. As soon as there's anything like that, it, our, our knee-jerk reaction is to be like, hee-hee-hee, <laughs> oh, pee-pees. Yeah. And that's fun. You know, it's fun and funny, but... Yeah. It's one of those movies that it was clearly not a thing to the guy who yeah. made it. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. I don't know who made it. Yeah, I I agree. I didn't feel like the movie um, sexualized the. No, the no, boys. we sexualized yeah, it on its yeah, behalf because yeah. we're children. Yes, and uh, well, I also just feel like that is a thing you need to warn like Americans about. That, like if they're gonna for go that see, exact reason, if they're gonna yeah. go see a movie, like you need to know that that's in the movie. There's some peepees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also in. Midsummer, there are peepees. There are peepees <laughs> in Midsummer. Couple peepees in Midsummer. We can we can start talking but Midsummer. Yes, thank you to yeah, Tricos for sending yeah. us there. Uh, it was very enjoyable, and 
I think we're both on the same page that I would recommend seeing movie. I would this recommend movie seeing that movie. For yeah. a variety of reasons. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Check out Violence Voyager. The title is awesome. Violence I, Voyager. The concept is awesome. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. It, it goes where I did not expect it yeah. to go and yeah. honestly couldn't have. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. It's got some, it, it gets to some real Cronenberg levels of body horror that are, are very extreme and enjoyable. It was cool. hurt so bad to have it all. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's, uh, oh, yes, please, please, please. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty pretty nuts. But okay, so let's let's talk uh, Midsummer since we've all seen it. Tori and I just saw it last night. I would say that Midsummer. I don't know if it eclipses us as my favorite movie of the year, but I fucking absolutely just floored by Midsummer. Agreed. It was it was awesome. You're into it. Yeah, it kept me awake at night, but not for like the reasons I expected it to. It was like little intricacies of that movie that I kept just thinking about, like certain moments that like, that's a long movie and it is paced a little weird where when shit starts like happening, I kind of forgot about a lot of like the stuff that happened before then. Um, And so that was the stuff that I kept like going over in my head and a lot of the conversations. Um, So can you highlight one? Uh, one. I we don't mean, want to spoil too heavy, but yeah. Uh, this, yeah. there's a lot of material. When they get there and he meets um his like brother or just like person that lives in yeah. the, the commune, yeah. and you meet his friends that he brought with him. Yes, the Londoners. And there's that very awkward conversation where he's like, "Oh, we used to date," and she's like, "Oh, we didn't date. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that yeah. wasn't yeah, a yeah, thing yeah. that happened." And as things progress, you're like. Oh, I know exactly why you brought these people here, yeah. and it's really weird and petty. And given the context of like what is going on as a whole in that, it's like really interesting that yeah. you used this like big tradition to kind of bring your own like ego and shit into that moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, I kept thinking about that. That's particular one. Um, also, just all of the conversations with the main boyfriend and yeah. uh, girlfriend in that film. <laughs> Which could barely be classified as conversations because they're <laughs> yeah. so miscommunicative. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a thing where, I mean... I know, like, uh, you know, we talk about, like, some of the stuff with Ari Aster, but, like, I was so impressed as to how well those moments Mm -hmm. were done and how real they were, where it was like, I have dealt with gaslighters Uh and borderline emotionally abusive stuff, and I'm like, oh, you got this stuff exactly right. Yeah. And it's so fascinating. Like, one of the best parts of the movie is listening to the theater respond to Jack Rayner's character. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We've all been on the other side of him, and we've all been him. Yeah, it's like you can hear laughter. I was groaning because I was like, Oh man, that happened to me and I didn't see it. And I did that probably more recently than I can even remember. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's horrifying. Yeah. It's, you can hear the laughter every time he talks. And it's like this there are like very distinct kinds of laughter, like yeah, yeah, yeah. regarding his character, where you can hear a guilty laugh and you can hear a knowing laugh. And yeah, you can yeah. hear it. You know you what I mean? You hear a couple elbow each other yeah, like, yeah, you yeah, fucking yeah. idiot. Yeah. Ha, yeah, ha, yeah. Ha. yeah. yeah. It's I, very interesting. It is a movie that to me is about two things. One, like the importance of communication. Yeah. Because really any situation that they find themselves in, um, up until a point, could have had the brakes pumped on it if they were if they took the opportunities provided to them to mm. communicate that, mm-hmm. you know, were actively being taken from them, but that they were throwing away themselves. Um 
<coughs> excuse me, sorry, I just got high, so now it's gone. <laughs> no, um, you know, it's about it's about that uh, lack of communication, but it's also about how hard it is to see a lack of communication from the inside. Yeah, and, and she's being a brought into this goal is what like the whole thing too. Like her character is a psychologist. Oh yeah. And so that's like interesting too, where it's like she's supposed to be helping people in these situations, but it's so hard to see it when it's like in. It, that's like your life, like yeah. you're in it. Like mm-hmm. you can't really see that shit happening. When I did therapy for a while, that was one thing my therapist said. She was like, everyone who does therapy is in therapy. Yeah. And she's yeah. like, it's, it's you know, you can't write if you, if you don't read. You, know, you cannot give therapy if you're not in it. And mm-hmm. so it's like, that was very humbling to know like, oh yeah, all of these people have problems. Mm-hmm. And like, she could be a great therapist and still be just blind from the inside. Yeah. yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah. That, oh, it's so unsettling. Yeah. There's a scene, I don't want to say too much. You guys will know what I'm talking about. Listeners will know what I'm talking about. There's a scene, uh, there's a large group of people doing things amongst the flowers. Uh-huh. The very close to the face singer. Yeah. When that happened, the whole theater does a big laugh of like, that's hilarious. And then like, oh, I'm going to throw up. Because <laughs> yeah. it was such a fine line between humor and horror that yeah. I think he walked uh, very well in Hereditary, but it wasn't quite there yet. This was like pristine. Yeah. It, Every uh, ounce designed to make you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, our friend Madeline described this as a stoner comedy that turns into a nightmare. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it's just it really like a very is. good description of it. Because, uh, like, honestly, one of the things I like the most about this movie, and this will sound a little strange, sorry, Mom and Dad, is its depiction of um, uh, tripping on mushrooms. It's precise. Is the most accurate, precise thing I've mm-hmm. ever seen. That is what it looks like to trip on mushrooms. Have you ever seen Taking Woodstock? No. Or is it Making Woodstock? I forget, the, the Ang Lee one. Yeah, with um, yeah. Dimitri yes. Martin. I have seen There's that. an acid Is that just called Woodstock, maybe? It's something Woodstock. Mm, finding Planning Woodstock. Woodstock. Finding Woodstock. Mm-hmm. Being yeah. Woodstock. Yeah. Stocking Woodness. I don't know. <laughs> uh, he. He does acid in that, and that movie similarly depicts acid in a way that I was like, that's actually correct. Mm. That's the correct way That I would not be familiar with. You're welcome, Mom and Dad. Oh, right on. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm sorry, uh, Garrett's Mom and Dad. Everyone should do it once. I'm one of those people, <laughs> I, and yeah. I'm correct. I've, everyone should do it once. <laughs> I've been told. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly, everyone should do it three times, but it's, that's just where that's what's going on. I've considered it in the yeah. past. You ever tasted red? I'm a, what? Not a popsicle <laughs> form. It's, it's a different... <laughs> Anyway, Fair. Midsummer does depict yes. uh, the visuals of shrooms spot on. Like, uh, so accurately. And yeah. with shrooms, and uh, whoever can attest to this Canada yeah. <laughs> experiences are with shrooms, coming up on shrooms is the worst. I yeah, hate yeah. it. It's the most horrifying thing. Everything is just uh, conspiring against you, and you can't even put a, a label on it. Yeah. And so the fact that they are feeling that in addition to being in an actual situation that's literally doing that to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, it's real weird. All of my clenchables were clenched yeah. throughout like most of that movie. That was like yeah, this is done. This is not a spoiler, and I thought this was interesting too. Tori noticed that in one of the scenes, Jack Rayner's drink is a different color than everybody else's drink. Yes. And yes. they never reference it. They never that never becomes like a thing. It just if you watch that scene, he has a different color drink. It is a thing. Yeah. Because if you look at the cartoon, yeah. uh, she has to put something of hers into oh, something for him to and drink. And it's happening at the same time as the meat pie. Thing. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. so there are things that yes. have been put into yes, that. Yes. Got but it. it's what I love though, it's not explicit. Yeah. It's something that you either notice yeah. or you don't, but no matter what what you think of it, yeah. that discolored glass of of the beverage is unsettling. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It's gross and it's there to draw your eye and go something's up. I heard but it. we should be polite. 
I heard an interesting thing about this movie. Apparently, Ari Aster has already talked about like a director's cut that he wants to release mm. that is like three hours long. It's like I'm a half hour long. Feed it to me. It. Feed it to me. Yes. Well, Give me I, two. Only I, three? Come on. What I think what is interesting you do? about that is I do think Cut Hereditary into it. And yeah. then we'll watch that all together. <laughs> It'll be amazing. I do think it's interesting because there's a lot of scenes where I felt like there was like... And not in a bad way, but I felt like there was like missing material. There were yeah, like yeah, certain yeah. things where I was like, oh, this is interesting. I feel like there was probably somewhere where they tried to establish this idea more and then realized we don't need to establish it. Like, just show it. Just, yeah, yeah, this just is do just it. happening now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I, I think I would imagine, no, I'm interested to see the three hour cut, but I bet the two hour and a half, the one we saw is probably better actually mm. because it just jumps to, like, those things just happen. It jumps to those things. Let's we'll like, see it and find out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Peter Jackson said something very interesting when he was re-releasing all the Lord of the Rings yeah. stuff. He was like, I don't believe in director's cuts in terms of, you know, what is in the theater, that is the movie. That's the movie that we made, that is the movie for you. I do believe in a wealth of special features and the availability of that footage that we didn't use. And if it's cut into the movie, that's fine as well. I believe in that, but I don't, I don't, you know, what you get in the theater is it. And I, I feel like Midsummer is probably one of those. Yeah, yeah. You know? Probably. I would watch an hour of cutting room floor footage of The Shining, but like, yeah, I don't yeah. want an, I don't want a drip of that in the yeah. movie. It's, mm-hmm. it's too perfect. And I can imagine, like, Apocalypse Now Redux, that's incredible. But Apocalypse yeah. Now is so much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's and it's beautiful again. Like I just like Hereditary. I think this movie's. Core. I mean, this movie looks even better than Hereditary. It's, he's the just colors a, are just yeah. He's insane. a very good visualist. He like, does Hereditary for that first scene. Yeah, and then goes straight into the sun, yep. and it's yeah, so sunny. You're right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That yeah, first there are very scene few too. Dark scenes. Yeah. There are none after that. Yeah. It's, so they're either indoors or outdoors, but yeah. it's always daytime. Mm-hmm. And that's I. I want to do this as spoiler free as I can. But that for me was like the uh, where this movie does not soar for me like it does for other people. I like this movie a lot. Yeah. I liked it a lot more than I liked Hereditary, and it. But it still doesn't like hit the heights that it seems like it does for other people for me. Mm. Is I really feel like uh, the scene that I don't like from Hereditary, which I've talked about on this podcast before many times. Uh, the opening of this movie is almost like an extended version of that yeah, to yeah. me. It's punishing. And it feel to me, it all reads as, and I think I texted you this earlier, and it's just the perfect way to describe this. The kid in middle school that's in a Slipknot shirt and has drawn a disgusting thing in his yeah, notebook yeah, yeah. and is like, look how fucked up it is, man. Ha, yeah. Aren't I fucked up, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aren't I? Isn't I fucked up? You know what I loved about that yeah. kid? If you ever had a taste for fucked up, you could yeah. always go to him and he would he would come through. That's what I mean. Like what he got for me, he'd be like, I fucking drew this elephant with 10 dicks on it. And <laughs> yeah. It's on fire. I'm yeah. like, that's why I'm here. Yeah. All right, I'll see you in homeroom, well, buddy. The, I well, said that to you earlier. Where I was like, I, I think eventually I'm just going to get on board with the fact that like that's what Ari Aster does. I think you need to watch The Strange Thing About the Johnsons, yeah. his short film. Yeah. It's only like 25 minutes long. Oh, you should cool. put it on tonight. <laughs> when I, I watched that after I saw Hereditary, and I was like, oh, Hereditary is funny. Yeah. And then I went and saw Hereditary a second time, and it really comes together. Huh. I think Midsummer's a little better, uh, if, it's if, if less digestible, funnier on the face for but sure. But it's funnier on the face. But like when you get that, he's like, yeah, he is that guy. He has a sense of humor about it, and he's trying to poke the wound. And your mileage yeah. may vary on how funny that is. Also, yeah. not to also give too much away with that beginning stuff, but I think that beginning part and seeing like that really fucked up stuff is so impactful because her douche boyfriend the whole time is just like, oh, it's nothing to worry about. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. You're yeah, yeah. being dramatic. She's being dramatic. Yeah. And then you see that and you're like, 
oh, you're a piece of shit. Yeah. This you're, was, you're being undramatic, yeah, sir. This is yeah. Not, yeah. this is not yeah. like being dramatic. It, this it, is a legit thing that is oh, happening. Yeah. It definitely illustrates the point that it's like you don't really understand what somebody else is going through, and so yeah. you just need to be understanding like yeah. very well. But to the point of the kid in middle school, it's like, he like imagines the worst fucking scenario it possibly yeah, yeah. could be where it's like, but that's not how this goes. Mm. Like that's never no. how this actually yeah. goes, you yeah, know? Yeah. Uh, but but anyway, so it's I uh, I liked this movie a lot. I liked it more than I liked Hereditary. But I can't shake that feeling of like this guy's a little bit of like an ed- like he's he's an edge lord. <laughs> like yeah, he just, he's trying know? to fuck you. Yeah, up. yeah, yeah. But I feel like that to me is why horror rules. Yeah. Because horror does sometimes try to send a message, even if it's like the most ham-fisted morality play. It's always that couched in, watch me poke this guy's eyes out. It's because yeah. you like that shit. I am. And it's just, he's good at doing it in a way that's like, it's it's so realistic so as to not be celebratory. So it's just like, well, it's, and, and this oh, movie worked it. on the allegory <laughs> know, level <laughs> for me. This worked on the allegory level for me way more than Hereditary did. Yeah, and yeah. that's why I do, I think, like it a lot more than mm. I like Hereditary. But I also do not feel the way about, so this is going to be hard to do without spoilers, but there is much more, there's a lot of graphic violence in this movie, and mm. there's some very graphic violence in this movie that I did not get the edge lordy stuff off of. Yeah. The opening scene, for sure, I got the edge. You know what I mean? So mm. it's like, it's not even just that he includes violence, it's particular kinds of it and the way he chooses to frame it and lens it that I think is like, just a little bit, I'm like, all right, dude, come on. Like, yeah, fucking, yeah. you know, like it. Yeah. Neither of you, it rubs me the wrong way. Neither of you watched Hannibal, right? I did not. Yeah. Uh, oh, wait, the show? Yeah. No, and I want to. I hear it's so good. It's wonderful. It's one of I her favorite it. things. Oh, right on. It's um, in our ho- It's in I Murder it's House. Great. It's, I love Madeline's Madeline. What's his name? He, yeah, uh, Mads, Mads Mickelson. Uh, yeah, Mads Mickelson. <laughs> you call great. him Madeline's Madeline. <laughs> that, that, that's another shirt of a silly name, Madeline. <laughs> uh, Mads Mickelson, you know. And uh, Hugh Dancy is very good with him. <laughs> What, who is it? Um, Hugh Dancy oh, uh, right plays on. Will Graham, and he's like phenomenal. But um, there's a couple moments uh, in this movie in Midsummer where you see like I guess aftermath of of things. Yeah. Uh, that I was like, oh, this looks exactly like Brian Fuller Hannibal stuff, mm-hmm, where it's mm-hmm. like you're seeing this like horrible violence, but like there's art to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's well lit, and it's yeah, it's, yeah, it's just. Exactly. Yeah. And so much of like Hannibal is that yeah, yeah. where it's like you're seeing these really disgusting, horrible acts of violence, but there is something that's like absolutely gorgeous about all of them. And there were a few of those moments where I was like, ooh, like this is horrifying, but it looks so amazing. Yeah. yeah. The art of gore. I yeah. love it. That's yeah, it's I'm I'm on board. I just I'm into it. Yeah, I'm an too. edgelord. I'm a little bit of an edgelord. Yeah, I'm I, in. I'm listen, in. I, you know, I, I like, uh, I, uh, um, what's his name? Zoller, who I think is probably also oh, like yeah. a bit of an edgelord. He's a bit so of it's an like, edgelord. you know, it's, I get, you know, I can't be too, uh, I guess, too critical of Oster for this, but I, I think I, yeah, it's, I re- I enjoyed it a lot. I j- I'm just surprised at how um, heralded uh, he and his movies are being. Con- all I think it's just considered. they're they're well made, and yeah. you know, even if you're if you're not on board with them as much as I am, like. They're well made, and it's like horror that's really trying to lead into class. And yeah, I yeah. think that people respect that for sure. And in a in like a post Jordan Peele world where people are yeah. starting to be like, hey, this is like this is actually yeah. some good shit. Yeah. Uh, that is being respected. Well, not- and so there's a, there's like I 
there is a little bit of an I want to be on board with this. And I do want to champion like a good allegory horror movie too. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And it's a great like, filmmaker. Yeah, and it, you know, because it's he like, did that in a year. I, that's crazy. That whole thing is done in a year. That's, that's crazy. That's insane. Yeah. Also, insane. Uh, I I tweeted this, but uh, like Mecky Leaper better be getting a fat paycheck for giving Will Poulter his likeness rights for this movie. <laughs> he was just straight up playing Mecky in this uh, movie. Will Poulter was so funny, yeah. but he was he was representative of the. Uh, you know, it's all it's all miscommunications, and he was representative of like I'm American. This is how I do things. So yeah. get with it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. vaping and shit, and yeah. peeing on their Very dead funny. tree. Oh it's man, I stuff. love how subtle the vaping was for <laughs> yes, him too. Like every once in a while, I was like, is he doing what I think he's doing? This is so weird. Am I? Are they tripping or is he vaping? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, this, although you brought up a great transition point, actually, Tori, because you brought up um, Hannibal, which is ready for this. I'm going to make a really hard transition in the I movie. I feel like we're I watching. can see the threads. It's oh, it's but the yarn there. isn't tied. Let's okay, do it. so Hannibal is a uh, Will Graham oh, story, I know where you're going. and yeah. Will Graham is the star of Man, Man Hunter, Hunter, which Hannibal is also in. That Hannibal is directed Lecator. by Michael, Michael Mann, Mann, and he directed our movie today, Collateral. Collateral um, with. Tom Cruise, who looks a lot like, <laughs> who looks a lot like Will Graham, Will Graham who was played whose by whose last name is like Graham Cracker, <laughs> like a food like Kevin Bacon. We did it. This is we got it to uh, Kevin yeah. Bacon. That that just became the uh, the scene, the diner scene in Black Dynamite. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. I gotta watch that again. Oh my god! We need a room in this house where we're just connecting threads to things on a wall. Oh, your spare room. (laughs) You could just make a whole bunch of random phrases. No, it doesn't matter what they are. And anybody who comes in, be like, "Listen, I don't show a lot of people this room, (laughs) but I think I." I might sound crazy, but I think I'm on to something. So just come in here for a second and open it up to all the yard just and just like, see what oh, happens. Cool. If you could already be in the room, just in boxers or something, yeah. just sitting there with like a, a pen scratching, yeah. a, cutting you know, pages yeah. out yeah. of something, yeah. cutting letters out and gluing them yeah. to a page or whatever, or uh, putting a you know tick marks in the wall, yeah. counting the days. Yeah. And be like, oh, hey, buddy, yeah. did she tell you? I think we found something. <laughs> So it all starts at City Hall. Yeah. Now, so <laughs> oh, that would be so amazing. I'm I'm sad that I'm here for the gen the generation of this idea because it can't be pulled on me. Oh, I and know. Super- I mean, if, if you do it, I'm gonna be all in. We do literally have a room in Murder House that has no purpose right now. I think it has a purpose right now. Which room is it? We got a room upstairs that we're not doing anything with right now. I mean, we have two that we're not really doing with any anything right it's true. now. true. We've got multiple rooms in Murder House that have no purpose. You know what you should do with one? You should make it a panic room. No, don't make it a functioning panic room. Just make it a room that is an ode to the movie Panic Room. <laughs> and you can have like Jodie Foster action <laughs> figures and Jared Leto with cornrows action figures, posters, scripts. <laughs> I think you should do it. A The Panic Room <laughs> How did I not know Jared Leto was in that movie? Yeah, he's the dude with the cornrows. Yeah. I've never seen that movie. Oh, it's good. That's it's like one of the like only pictures little, I haven't seen. Uh, you know, it's yeah. just like Fincher Light. Just yeah. grabbing an Andrew Kevin Walker script. <laughs> oh, is it really? Out. I believe it is. Yeah, interesting. I believe it is. Forrest Whitaker, he works the eye. He works it. It's good. He's usually... His best movies are when he's working the eye. He works mm. the eye, and it's just... Yeah. 
Collateral. All right, collateral. <laughs> so I'm on this yarn thing. No, so uh, oh. yeah, <laughs> it's like, so what? good. Yeah. Okay, so Michael Mann's Collateral, 2004. Tom Cruise, Jamie Foxx at the peak of his sudden Jamie celebrity. Jamie Foxx is amazing in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's a fantastic actor. He fucked up though because he gets his, he gets himself an Oscar. He starts making movies and he goes, "I'm gonna be a musician." And everyone's like, "No, no, no! You featured on a song. Maybe don't do it." And he was like, "No, I'm all in." And now he's hosting. Was it the Shazam show? Something like that. Wait, don't that's forget the lyrics. Oh, that's what's happening? Yeah, it's like, can you race Shazam to the song? They that's play a, it. Oh, we don't have cable. <laughs> it, I don't have cable either. I just, I feel like I've seen a pop-up ad of his smiling face. And it's, yeah, it's like, so you think you can Shazam, <laughs> Shazam or something? <laughs> oh my God, I hope that's Maybe what it's we called. Need no, cable. It's, it's totally a thing. No, you definitely don't. Although it'll save you on streaming. America's uh, Got Shazam? Yeah, it's, it's seriously something like that. I need to I know what it's called. I just typed Jamie's Shazam. Jamie's Shazam? <laughs> Guys, we had whiskey during the... Uh, is it that Shazam movie from the 90s that people keep remembering that doesn't exist? Oh, with uh, with Sinbad? Sinbad. But also, I think exists. I think I saw proof that it exists now. I don't... Uh, actually, I know what that is. Yeah. He did a uh, like yeah. a children's clip show kind of thing mm-hmm. where he was a genie at one point in it. Yeah. But there's no Shazam. I actually don't remember that movie. That Mandela effect thing didn't hit me. Oh, but man. I think it's because everyone confuses it with Kazam, and they just yes. think about the omnipresence and raw talent of Sinbad in the 90s. <laughs> True. First True. kid. Oh, that's a really shameful... Uh, the first picture on Jamie Foxx's thing is him just as Electro conjuring magic. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's not great no. for him. So his show... This is going to take me a while. You guys talk about other stuff. <laughs> Uh, well, okay. So J- let's start Jamie Foxx in this was great. <laughs> he was great. Uh, what Michael Mann movies have you seen? Do you know? Uh, I have seen Thief. Together. Thief. Yeah. We have not watched Thief together. Oh, we didn't. No, but I have seen Thief on right. my own, and I really, really like that. Um, yeah. Thief is great. Yes. Um, I'm honestly blanking on any other movie that I found Michael it. Mann I has found done. it. It's called Beat Shazam. Beach. It's literally Beach just Shazam. called Beach Shazam. Teams of two race to identify songs. Uh, by sound, in hopes of winning up to $1 million, whoever wins the most money, actually, whoever wins the most dollar sign, gets to play the final round against Shazam, the show's computer. Actor Jamie Foxx and his daughter Corinne as DJ hosts the show. Wow. So literally sitting things here like, used to be better in terms of Jamie Foxx as a craftsman. Can't believe we're missing that. <laughs> I was literally sitting here thinking like, well, then who did I watch Thief with? And I was like, oh, Dan, I watched Thief with Dan yes, for the we podcast. Did an episode. Yeah. So when was Tom Cruise's meltdown? Because this was definitely Jamie Foxx's pop. Yeah. I think this was post Tom Cruise's meltdown, but he was starting remember. to make a return. I think you might be 2004, right. So he was on Oprah was the big Yeah. Movie. When was he bouncing on couches on Oprah? I think I was still in elementary school, so I think it must have been before was 2004. Was it that early? I think. Because maybe I'm I wrong. remember that, and you're a little bit older than yeah, me. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong then. Yeah. Oh, when he did The Tom Insider. Cruise, he did do The Insider. That was his best picture. I love The Insider. I've actually never seen The Insider. Oh. I saw it very, very long time ago when I was a child and yeah. couldn't appreciate something like he The Insider. He did The Keep. I saw that in Exhumed Yo, thing. The Keep rules. Holy it's, shit. It's That's the movie stupid. he made after Thief. Yeah, that that can't make sense. Uh, Ian McKellen is in that movie. Yeah. All right. Okay. Tom Cruise Oprah freakout date is what I'm trying to look up, and all it's bringing up is fucking gifts. <laughs> of course, <laughs> it's yeah, a great gift. Right. Uh, so you've not seen like Heat or uh... I have not seen Heat. Mm-hmm. I have seen Public Enemies, which I also didn't know that he did. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so it was 2005 that Tom Cruise whoa. jumped on the couch. So he's pre-meltdown in this movie. So yeah, he's pre-meltdown. This is mm-hmm. 2004. 
So, okay, so this was... Uh, or I should say, he's probably in the midst of a meltdown while making this yeah, movie. Yeah, that's true, that's true. I'm trying to think of the arc of Tom Cruise's career and how we felt about him, because that's fascinating. Yeah. And for some reason, I felt like this was one of those movies that was part of his comeback, but I'm thinking maybe this is one of those ones that during his comeback, everyone's like, man, he lost it for a while, and everyone goes, no, 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 what about Collateral? Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like it came into the conversation <laughs> I don't even remember way. what the general like consensus on this movie was when it came out. Like, I don't remember if it was, like, a big movie or not. I remember there, I it was advertised a lot. Yeah. But I don't remember if it was, like, well-reviewed. And I know people or, started talking about it, but I feel like that wasn't until a couple of years ago where people were like, oh, this movie's great. Yeah. It got, like, cult hitty. Yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't see this in the theater. I saw it at my buddy's house. So, yeah, okay, so it did get Oscar nominee for supporting role for Jamie Foxx. Oh, okay, cool. all right. But I feel like that might have been, you know how when you get nominated or you win, you're also nominated for right literally away. anything you did yeah. next year? I think that could have been, although would have been deserved. He's fantastic. He's, He's really, really, really good in this movie. And uh, Jim Miller for Best Achievement in Film Editing. That was another nomination. Did you, hold on, did oh. you say he got nominated for Supporting Actor in this movie? Supporting Actor, That's yes. Interesting. That is fascinating, because as far as I'm concerned, he's the star of this movie, and Tom Cruise is supporting him. I think that it comes down to the politics of it, where it's like, if we put him in for supporting, he could win. If we put him in mm, yeah, for yeah, leading, yeah, yeah, he yeah. probably won't. Yeah, yeah. And that's usually how those things work. When you get someone, you're like, that was the lead. And it's like, yeah, but is she going to topple Streep? Right. You're like, oh, yeah. absolutely not. Right. Streep's untouchable. Uh huh. Interesting. Interesting. Although I'm going to call it Streep, you're touchable now, lady. <laughs> you're touchable. I loved the post, but uh, things are changing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in a good way. Uh, women last a little longer in Hollywood now. We're getting there. We're getting there. And so, you know, Streep, you're not going to be the outlier anymore. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Well, uh, well, so I thought that, like, Cruz was very good in this movie, but I was, like, super impressed with Jamie Foxx mm -hmm. in this movie. He stole the show to me, which is pretty wild, because Cruz is, like, doing a very Tom Cruise-y, but also interesting for Tom Cruise performance, I think, mm -hmm. too. Um, there's like a lot of his like weird like facial tics and gestures. You know, he does that thing every once in a while. Yeah. Where he like flicks his head a little bit. Uh, he's like got a lot of that going on in this, but it it, it still feels very like, within his confines. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? And yeah, he's always absolutely. doing basically one thing in this movie yeah. where Jamie Foxx, you see him in like several different versions. Yeah, well, wait, yeah. Let's talk about just like the opening of the movie. That fucking well, he's great... A, he's a guy with swagger in real life. Yeah. I feel like yes. Jamie Foxx... And you look at something like Django, and like that's a dude with some edge. He's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's... He enters the room and you know it. And like this guy enters the room and disappears completely. Yeah, he's playing mm -hmm. down. He's like, playing completely sure. down and pathetic in a way. Yeah. But with shades of before he was beaten down by life, he probably did have that swagger. It's got that great opening scene where he is flirting with his fair, who is played by um, Jada Pickett Jada Smith. Jada Smith. And it's like this really great like 10-minute scene where it's just the two of them... They just have like great chemistry. And, it, yeah. and it's not even like he's flirting with her in any kind of like... Um, like overly direct way. It's just that like yeah. they legitimately have chemistry. And so they're just they're having this conversation that's unfolding very naturally mm -hmm. that sort of turns to flirtation because it just there's a, a legitimate chemistry in yeah. that cab. And it's a classic way that they pair them. Like he's the guy that does have some like wisdom about how to get by in the the grind of life. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. But he's not very successful. Whereas she's very successful but seems to be you know, unable to to go to that, and so they kind of complement each she's other. She's high strung. Way. She's high strung, and he's unmotivated. So, like together, it's it's kind of a perfect union. And there's a moment paper. where 
she gets out of the car and comes back and like gives him her card and he seems like genuinely shocked but also like really excited which mm. is like it's like a pretty quick moment where i was like oh man like good for you yeah like you're yeah, a yeah, cab yeah. driver and this like awesome like public defender or whatever like oh the she, city prosecutor yeah city yeah. prosecutor she's like she's into she's the you. most important lawyer in the yeah, city she is yeah that was like like a pretty cool moment i like that the, the way it looked on his face was like a still got it yeah <laughs> you know which mm-hmm. is just very much how most most dudes think of it mm-hmm. it's just hmm, still got mm-hmm. <laughs> uh yeah i really like that scene i think that scene like kind of this movie probably doesn't work without that scene because of what it ultimately ends up having to build yeah. to you know um but it also like tells us so much about jamie fox's character well, like that's where we learn it's like mostly people in a car yeah and so there's a lot of heavy lifting being done by the script and by the people reading it and so oh it's yeah, a performance it's, it's movie very for sure. yeah without a doubt yeah yeah and it's just like you learn so much about jamie fox's character through the way he interacts with her yeah like we we learn about his like skill as a cab driver where he just like is oh, very he, good he at how to get around knowing and understanding the traffic patterns at different times around the city and mm-hmm. stuff um, we also learn about his vision board, which is a mm-hmm. Michael Mann thing that we've talked Michael about before Mann loves with Thief. That. Yeah. Well, Michael Mann loves two things, vision boards and people that have to go to work. Yes. And this movie is, it's literally about three people that have to, oh, I guess it's the cops too. Yeah. They're just a handful of people that are just having to go to work. Trying to do their job. He just needs to get, you know, through his fare as a cab driver. Yep. That gets exacerbated by a hitman who just needs to get through his night. That got exacerbated by a guy going out the window, uh-huh. you know, and then the cops they find the guy going out the window, and that exacerbates his undercover case because now he's got to go actually shoot some people. Yeah, but they just want to do their jobs and go home and feed their kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because like that is what I don't know. I think that's what makes the movie so interesting is that like everybody else you kind of can you know I, Jamie Fox and um, uh, Mark Ruffalo like. The, the the cops and and Jamie Foxx's character and J.D. Pinkett's character it's like they are they are good people in this scenario for the most part right whereas uh, Tom Cruise is not a good person in this scenario but is also this very interesting layered character that is like maybe helping Jamie Foxx's character like yeah he, he like grows grow. and they, like they kind of have a mutual respect yeah. for one another even though they're kind of the other one's biggest problem right and but he may be like. He maybe does provide some good advice for his character and like I think help when Jamie Foxx his character Felix, out of uh, yeah that changes him a little bit yeah and uh, you know Jamie Foxx directly results in him dying right so, <laughs> so well they both read e- read each other and like people very well yes. obviously and they like show that several times yeah they try uh, to like out psychology each other yeah. a couple times mm-hmm. yeah because they both give like the like the oh. That's what you think you are. This is what you really are. And mm-hmm. they're both correct about the other one's front that they put yeah. up. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's another thing the intro scene does because he does that thing where he dresses her down and he's like, you're a lawyer. Yeah. yeah. yeah he's like, like, like I'm the Sherlock of cab drivers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's my superpower. <laughs> not, not yet electricity. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. the one thing that's interesting is that throughout the movie, we start to get a feeling for what his life was like. In terms of, yeah. we see his mom is dis- <laughs> dismissive towards him. We see that, you know, just where he's at. You kind of get that with everybody except for Mark Ruffalo, who just, we don't know about his family or anything like that. We do get the one line where he's like, oh, he, he might have kids that are going to grow up without right. him when he yeah. gets shot. But we never get at all a window into Tom Cruise. No. He talks about his dad being abusive, but 
we don't really know anything about that. We don't know what he's trying to pay for with his paycheck. We don't know what he's going back to. He ultimately and finishes that story by implying that it's a joke, although I don't necessarily yeah, yeah. know if it is or not. Well, and then he says, like, oh, my dad died of, like, like liver cancer. Oh, yeah, because yeah, 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 he goes, I killed him. And he's like, it gets all weird. And he's like, nah, I'm just joking. Mm-hmm. He died of liver cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. But the, the question is, like, which is scarier? The guy who has a wife and kids at home and you would never know he's a hitman but pays the bills that way? Or the guy who has none of that at home and is utterly professional about being a hitman and has nothing to go back to? I don't know which one's scarier, but he could be either, and that's fucking terrifying mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Yeah, because he's like a... I don't want to know his background. Yeah, that's interesting. If he said, oh, I, I do this because I have a wife, yeah. that would change it in a way. But yeah. if he also said, like, I do this because I'm you know, a sociopath and I get off on it, but it also pays the bills... Those are both mm. two people that I do not want to fuck with at all. But then, like, we as an audience and also, obviously, Jamie Foxx are trying to, like, grab on to something yeah. to, like, try to be like, oh, I'm a part of this really horrible thing with this, like, person I perceive as a pretty horrible person. But if I can find, like, yeah. these little details, like, he had this horrible life yeah. and, and all of these things, like, then I can feel at least sorry for him. Yeah, but, yeah. like, mm. you never end up getting that, right. which is, like, which is, like, that scary part of that whole thing because you can't rationalize it. Yeah. What's the line that he says to him? He says after uh, after he does the joke about I killed my dad and he died of liver cancer. Oh yeah, and after he's like I, I I'm joke you know it's a joke he died of liver cancer and then Jamie Fox suddenly softens up and goes I'm sorry and like actually legitimately yes. means like I'm yeah. sorry you lost your father. Yeah, that, that is a, that is a heartbreaking moment, but it really says everything about like they do have a bond by the end of this. It's, and in- it's you go for it. Uh, I just I, <laughs> I was that, gonna gush. That was all I had. No, that's that's that is what's interesting about the movie. I think is that Cruz's character earns some of your sympathy in different scenes. Uh, and we've all worked shouldn't. jobs we didn't want to yeah. do, and for those jobs had to do things that were very against my not necessarily morals, but like my own self worth. Working in a restaurant, if anyone's done it, there are certain times that you really have to swallow. Uh, a justified pride that you just can't put out there. And I've done that for money. So there's a window through which I can understand someone being a hitman for money. Um, John Wick was a murderer, but his (laughs) dog died. So guess what? He's my best friend. So it's, you know, it's, that's what I mean. There is yeah. a window there, and it's a thin one, but I think that the script does a very good job of opening that window. Yeah. I, I kind of want Tom Cruise's character to like, my dream movie is for them to, at the end, be like, well, hey, you, you saved the last victim. And be like, well, you killed four of your people. And be like, I respect you. I respect you. Next time, Toretto. And then they just go about <laughs> yeah, their yeah. That would be just fine for me. Yeah. Uh, I'm okay with Vincent living. But as it, as, it, as it were, he's better off dead. Yeah. I also, you know, I don't know. He's like, based on what Ruffalo says earlier in the movie, this guy's kind of a ghost. I wonder, like... Does he die in that subway car, or is this like Vincent's way out of this situation? And yeah, well, and aren't they talking about how there was an incident yes. very similar, like a few years back? Well, the and movie- so you're also the whole time like, oh, he's probably gonna kill Jamie Fox after all of this stuff. Yes, and the first thing that Vincent says, I think, is something about 
the thing he doesn't like about LA is that there's so many people that somebody could die on a subway and they wouldn't find them for like. Oh, no, he talks. That's a famous story when he says that someone died on the subway and just went around yeah. for miles and miles and mm. miles and nobody paid any attention to him right. because they're just so ignorant to the yeah. plight of a of another person. Which he references. And then he references that at the end, like how poetic I have become that person. Yeah. I see. I I like to think that he dies. Because he's a person that, as far as we understand, does not really have an identity outside of his occupation. We see flashes of it. He's obviously a jazz enthusiast. He's, you know, he's got yeah. certain things that, that are soft, but we just see this hard-edged working man. But at the end, I think the sadness that we see in his eyes is one of, I actually will be ignored on this because I have no connections to anyone but myself. Well, because he lived a life of not wanting to be seen, right. and then that's also how he dies. Now I'll be and easily forgotten. Unseen. Yeah. He yeah. doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. And that that's I I think that's an appropriate ending for a what I believe to be a pretty narcissistic character. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. That's uh I you know what I couldn't stop thinking about during the movie with this character? Especially during that scene where he's like uh He's like, oh, we're so insignificant. He's like using that as like a rationale for why he can just do whatever he wants, basically. Mm-hmm. I was like, this guy is the embodiment of the intellectual dark web of like <laughs> of like the mentality where it's like, no, man, I can fucking argue my way intellectually into literally any decision I want to make. Yeah, I can I can justify whatever it is that I need to justify. Yeah. By just That's such a human thing too. Yeah. And just by doing backflips through backflips through backflips of like philosophy on psychology on philosophy on you know what I mean? Yeah, eventually it's, you get there. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like that's like definitely what's going on in that scene. It reminded me so much of like I don't know, whenever I see like a fucking like libertarian trying to argue with somebody on yeah, Facebook, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like yeah, yeah. you are just trying to quote unquote out logic your way through this and that's like it doesn't make and, sense. And you're missing the point. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're, yeah. you're you're so fighting that. Yeah. yeah. It's like that definitely felt like the the sort of version of masculinity that Vincent is sort of meant to explore. Mm-hmm. The the um uh, the career man, the yeah. career man who who gets rid of all things personal and emotional yeah. because he found that he as a machine is efficient. And right. with that efficiency comes the feel, the illusion of power. I have power over these situations, therefore I have power. And you know what? My wallet says the same. Yeah, yeah. But when you're dying alone on a train, and the only thing that they can do when they find your body is put you in an unmarked grave and forget about you, that's, you know, what kind of man is that? He's definitely, like, constantly trying to exert control. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, and that's the thing. He does this, and as a jazz enthusiast... He's very into the idea of like, we're not playing the notes, it's between the notes, yeah. it's improvising. Mm. So where he's good at his job and he's got a plan to get it clinically done and be just an efficient cog in this big machine, he does sort of get off and get his kicks on the idea of like, all right, I got to play it loose. Right. There's no reason at any point that he doesn't just put a bullet in Jamie Foxx's head yeah. and find a new car. But he likes having him there because he likes having this loose thing. And so... To me, that is Vincent chasing that thrill and chasing that emotion that he has nowhere else in his life, presumably. Yeah. Or maybe he has it in his life and he doesn't feel that way. Maybe he has a family and he's just, it's dust in the wind to him. He can't figure it out. So yeah. he goes here to do it. You know, people have affairs or gamble yeah, or whatever yeah. it is that gets their kicks. 
Turns out he's real fucking good at killing, and he's real yeah. fucking good at doing it when things are going wrong, and that feels real exciting. Yeah. Well, also, maybe those moments where if there have been other characters like Jamie Foxx and stuff, those are the only times he has significant connections with people, mm. where, like, he's spending, like, a pretty long amount of time with them, like, oh, several yeah. hours. Um, he's so trying also, to make a single serving friend out of Jamie Foxx. Yeah, because like oh, wow. for for everyone else, he's like sitting with them for yeah. a couple seconds and then they're they're dead. So uh-huh. like in a like in a weird way, it's like oh maybe this is like one of the closest people you know now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's wild. That's yeah. true. Yeah, I think and I think that also is why we get a little bit of like it humanizes him enough that. I mean, I fucking hate him, but like, I really am sort of still rooting for him in some way, and I think that's another one of those mm-hmm. avenues yeah. through which you get it. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. He like, man, it's crazy. You know, what's funny is now we're talking like so much about Vincent, even though I I think um, you know the more interesting character is is ultimately Jamie Foxx's character. Well, it comes down to Jamie Foxx's character. We do know all this stuff. Yeah, about that's him. true. We can yeah, intuit it's pretty concrete. About him, whereas yeah. whatever we intuit about Tom Cruise, the only answer we can have is. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It could be that. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Jamie Foxx, you know, I, I don't think we get any sense of if his dad was in his life. What um, does he say? Yeah, I think he says I something. About, I think he says he died when he was a kid or something, and so he didn't get to know him. I, I but Tom think... Cruise says that about his mom. He died oh, before I could remember. Right. Her. Yeah, I can't remember now. Yeah, I, don't know. I can't either. But know. either way, it is very clear yeah. what the... Uh, you know, just what the dynamic he has with his mom is. Oh, man. Okay, I don't want to get to that scene yet. Oh, I like that scene. What I like about Tom Cruise's character, and it's the one thing that I remember from this movie, this is probably the like second and a half time that I've seen this, uh-huh. but the one thing that always stuck with me was the scene at the jazz club. I love that. I like For that scene For aesthetic reasons, because Michael Mann's style being applied to what has chunks of like a jazz music video is kind of something new, but it's very much on brand, despite him not having done it before. I really should rewatch Black Hat. It looks um, great. And, it, and it, yeah, it looks great. But this is the scene where it first occurs to me that Vincent is a little bit of a person. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that there's like the some hand, life outside of what's happening. Tonight. He appeals to he appeals to uh, Max's humanity by saying, listen, time's good. Let's go get a drink. Right. We know that's a lie. Yeah. Um, it's not him trying to buy him a drink or to relax him. It's him understanding how Max works a little bit and catering to that and then, you know, going to do his hit. Yeah. But at the same time, you do get the sense he really does enjoy this jazz music. He's having a great time with it. And, you know, as he's speaking to, I think his name was, was it, it was a D. Was it a Daniel? I don't know. But speaking to the, the jazz musician, you know, you do, you do get the sense that it's real. I love the way that Jamie Foxx starts to realize that, oh, shit, this is not going anywhere. He starts (laughs) to kind of do like, oh, yeah, he's just playing, like Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Uh, But the one line it comes down to is when the guy realizes, I know I'm going to die right now. I know you're the guy said to kill me. Just when I thought you were a cool guy, to which Vincent responds, I am a cool guy. Mm -hmm. That means, what does that mean to you? It's so interesting because it feels like, I I feel like one something that Cruz is very good at is like hiding like something behind his eyes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I feel like he gives he, that. He's really good at portraying the idea of being in the closet, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> he he does that. He plays that in that scene. He's got that like look in his eye where he's like, "I am a cool guy." Where he's like, "No, no, like 
I'm convincing you and myself that yes, I am a cool yes, guy. Yes, exactly. You know, yeah. like he's like, no, I I really did enjoy that jazz conversation. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not personal, but I have to put a bullet in your head. Right. It. Yeah. He's like he's like and I, and. And, and he's he like, like a doesn't li- see the issue, and he's it. like a little bit upset that this guy doesn't get that he's a cool guy. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like he's he's convincing himself that he's a cool guy yeah. by saying he wants to no, be friends with cool this guy. guy. In yeah. another world, he would have liked to know this guy. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's how Jamie Fox keeps telling everyone that oh, this is just a temporary thing. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. it's just the the lies you tell yourself to continue on and yeah. like keep doing these things. What a, what an interesting thing though that they're both related to the idea of their ego where. Uh, you know, Jamie Foxx is saying like, oh, yeah, you know, because he has, you know, he has dreams and I'm going to do them. Um, whereas Tom Cruise's I am a cool guy is just, you know, his his aspirations beyond that are his image to other people. You know, like they're both concerned with image with this lie that they tell. But Jamie Foxx's image is couched in the idea that he does have an inclination, but maybe not the drive to do something big. Uh, it's less ego-driven than Tom Cruise just being like, I just want it to be cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I want people to think I'm cool. Yeah. Like, does he love jazz or does he know a lot about jazz because it made him interesting at the bar? Well, it's like it's uh, Cruise's character. It's, I guess it's weird to say, but it's like there's no, like, upward motion for him. Yeah. You know, he's doing the thing he wants to do. He just is he though? He's he, only been in it for six years, and he looks like he's in. You know, Tom Cruise is in his forties. He says something about private sector for six years, which I think implies oh, that he was probably in the service before this yeah. or something. This um, is a sequel to Jack Reacher, right? Yeah, I was. I was wondering if like uh, the reason they make him look so much like Will Graham in Manhunter is if this is like. If the idea is like this is what happens once Will Graham finally kills somebody, once he gets a taste oh, of killing yeah, yeah. someone, he just becomes a contract killer to rationalize for himself, like that why he's cannon. serial killing. You that know, he's good. I'm yeah. into that. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I'm totally. What do we like? That. What do we think about this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, aesthetically, yeah. the Will Graham look that's been around since you know Miami Vice. Y- yes, you know, exactly. Yes, uh, it's 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 the Michael Mann male Michael character. Man he finds it where he finds it, and yeah. you know. He, he, for- he, puts it he forces it on Tom Cruise when he needs yep. Tom Cruise to be in his movie. Can't force it on Jamie Foxx. Jamie no, Foxx no. is is a. Uh, he's like I don't know. He's just so cool. Uh, in here, he's not. But uh, there's there's a there's an undercurrent of him being cool that it would be tough to put his uh, you know man's man on top of him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't remember what point I was making because then I then I uh, sidetracked into my Will Graham point. Oh, that's all good. Yeah. I remember what I was saying before that. Oh, I'm just going to drink this whiskey. <laughs> That's fair. Um, uh, you brought up a scene that you wanted to talk about before, though, Dan. Now I'm trying to remember what it was. I wanted to talk about the jazz scene. Oh, you want to talk about um, the scene with his mom? Of Oh, yeah, we could talk about the scene with his mom. That's something where you do get... It's another thing where I don't know if Tom Cruise is being, if Vincent is being performative or being a good person. Right, I know. Um, in buying flowers for uh, Jamie Foxx's mom, yeah. for, sorry, Max's mom, and uh, Max, that's his name. I was trying Max, to remember yeah. that for time. Max's mom, Max and Vincent, which yeah. are two of the most Michael Mann names ever. Max yeah, and Vincent, true. Vincent and Max, um, <laughs> maximum, <laughs> Max, but he's minimal. And uh, but he buys flowers for her, and when they're first going into the hospital to visit her, the thing he says to Jamie Foxx is, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, flowers!" It's like my mom does not want flowers; she's not into it. But it's like, no, that's what you do. Yeah. If you want right. to look like a person who's doing what we're doing, yes. that is what you do. But you, I, I do also kind of want to hope to believe that maybe it's like, no, we have to get this mom flowers because she's in the hospital and you're her son. 
Also, there's a very real chance yeah. that you might be dead later tonight. And, you know, there, there's just a lot behind that decision. And I, I don't know. Is he a cool guy? I don't know. If he's I know. Cool that's guy. what keeps happening throughout the movie where it's like he, because Tom Cruise is just super charismatic and uh, I, like I really like watching him act, I, I fall under the spell of Vincent like at periods mm. throughout the movie and then like always come back to like, oh, no, this is what a sociopath does. I was, I was going to say, you know, like, like they, even... You know, even if it's not like, oh, this is a cover, we have to buy her flowers, because like that's like what we're supposed to do right now. It's more just like a sociopath being like, ah, yes, if I'm trying to act like a human and I'm going to the right. hospital to visit someone, I get them flowers. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. being broke. Well, yeah. even that's the reason they go to the hospital when he's like, we don't need to go. My mom won't even know I'm there. And he was like, no, you broke routine. Yeah. If you yeah. broke routine, that's not good for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like him going to the hospital, it's it's so easy to see how you fall under his spell because. We go, yeah, that is a good idea to go to the hospital. But then when he gives her the flowers, it feels a little genuine or he's just that good of a sociopath. Right. He's like a fucking Bundy, you know? There's yeah, like yeah. a pleasure also in knowing more about this guy that he's spending all of this time with. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he definitely likes being able to needle and manipulate Max. Yeah. There's like... Because then he can use that for later, which he does. I, yeah. the, I mean, I think that's probably oh, the, the collateral of the title, right? Like, the is Max is the collateral of the title. This yeah. is like... I've it's never given any thought to the title of this movie. <laughs> and every single scene is quite literally a, what do I get, what do you get? What do I get, yes. what do you get negotiation? Like, li- even down to the cops when they have to coordinate with the FBI... The way that they speak to one another isn't like, listen, here's what we think's happening. It's yeah. like, we got two dead bodies. Looks like they might have been killed by the same person. What do you know? Yep. I know that people, you know, show up on these cameras. What do you know? And, like, and the whole they plot don't do it. is predicated on this big criminal case that we never find anything out about. Yeah. But is like literally predicated on the the lawyer and yeah. the witnesses for this big criminal case, mm-hmm. the collateral for like you know the defense that they're going to raise or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty interesting. Which it's interesting. Like I mentioned this when we like took a break in the movie briefly, where it was like Mark Ruffalo was great, and and that's like yeah. those scenes are really great. But I was like they kept like popping up after a while of spending time with like Max and Vincent where I was like, Oh, this is still a part of this movie where I was like, I don't know if I need this. Like I just need the moments with them together. Like there is such a, I mean, we were talking about the chemistry between uh, Jamie Foxx and uh, Jada Pinkett Smith before, but it also exists with him and, and uh, Mm. Tom Cruise. It's like, there is just a every time they're on screen together, the movie like really fucking works. I think there's there's a tighter but different genre movie of this that is just them in the car. Yeah. Like when you talked about gravity, like oh yeah, yeah. You know the one thing that could be corrected about gravity per a lot of people is that they try to make the world bigger with her home life, mm-hmm. and it's like if it was just a straight disaster, clean, none of that surreal shit, it might have been. It might have been a. a a tighter movie. Yeah. I, th- I think that movie is pretty perfect, but yeah, like that you know, th- that is a different movie that could be argued for. I think for this, like, yeah, this is a Michael Mann movie. There needs to be yeah, just a ha- large yeah. beefy yeah. atmosphere mm-hmm. of just, there's bigger things at play than us, but there's a mean Frank Grillo thriller that <laughs> yeah, involves, yeah. you know, just them. And the, well, I'd want these two guys doing it, but yeah, it's yeah. just them in the car. Like you, you pointed out Tori, that this movie looks and feels a lot like lock. Yeah. And that's sure. a movie mm-hmm. that gets a lot of mileage out of just how well it works in the car. Yeah. And this movie works similarly. To mm-hmm. that, uh, yeah. When just it's in the car. conversations in mm-hmm. a car mm-hmm. where it's like in lock, it's like basically just, um, 
Tom Hardy and the voices of people that he's talking to, mm-hmm. like on the phone. Uh, but it works very similarly where so many of like the best scenes and best conversations are just when they're driving in cars yeah. in different moments mm-hmm. of the movie. I think it would be great if if it was revealed that all of the voices in Locke were done by Tom Hardy. <laughs> oh, well, when is Tom Holland? Voices. One's Tom Holland? Yeah, his son. one of his sons is Tom Holland. Oh, that's wild. Mm-hmm. Of course that's it is. That's funny. I know. Yeah. A little spidey. Mm-hmm. I love him. Yep. Um, I I love the nightclub scene. Yep. I think it's very cool that I think that I believe that is a Paul Oakenfold song. And it just kind of goes on a refrain. It's this weird version of what Michael Mann thinks a nightclub life is like. <laughs> There's this really weird shot. And it's very uh, <laughs> indicative of the time as well because it's... Uh, the shot of the thighs of three yep. women with the short skirt and the high boots that were around 2004 were like the main fashion. And uh, <laughs> it's just at their thighs and butts. And then they split open to reveal uh, Vincent coming through yeah. and then it pans up to his face. It's a really weird thing. It's and it's so like good. one of those moments where he's like, this is nightclub. It's salacious. Yeah. But it comes across as, oh, okay, dad. you know. Yeah. But that's yeah. Michael Mann's appeal. Yeah. He's so dead. Yeah. But that's that seems very fantastic because this is right after. Um, oh, this is where all our threads start coming all together. All threads come together, but this is right after uh, Max has kind of gotten an edge. Right. He has the great scene where he has to confront Felix and so get good. the list uh, the second time in Tom Cruise's career where the knock list is uh, the <laughs> MacGuffin. And so they've got to get the list of all the people that he has to kill. And to do this, Jamie Foxx goes through a character change where he just thugs out and is just, I'm tough, I'm hard, I am the guy who you hired to kill all these people. He becomes that, and it's half an impersonation of Vincent, and it's yeah, half yeah. like his inner like bear coming out. Um, it's really that cool. Amazing. It's, it's like it's a, amazing. Yeah, yeah, we should hold off on the nightclub scene. We should yeah, talk yeah. about this a little bit. Because it's like a huge moment of growth for his character. Even though it's also him, like you said, it's like a lot of it is him just adopting Vincent's mannerisms. He literally quotes him. Yeah, yeah. 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 He quotes him, but there's also, though, you know, tell this guy to get his fucking gun off me. Yeah. Try, you know, beat the shit out of him or yeah. whatever it is he there's says. There's definitely something that comes out of him that's like, oh, this is like a part of him that, like, you know, he either he doesn't know about or he tamped down at some point in his mm-hmm. past or something. You know what I mean? And um, he's stammering and he's weird. Yeah. And you know from like the scene towards the beginning where he's talking to the cops, like he isn't a great liar in, in yeah. these stressful situations. And then he just like turns it around yeah. and in that moment realizes like I have to fucking get this done. Yeah. And so he just has to like fucking well, man up or whatever. And that's kind of his skill in life. You, you see that he's this kind of guy that is just like, well, if I want to do this, I'm going to have to go to work. Yep. And he fell into the, the you know, the... Uh, tedium of work but that was sparked by his notion of like well i gotta i gotta drive a cab get my money mm-hmm. you know this is just he's gonna execute my mom if i don't get this list i have yep. to do it and it just but i he think man's up that's what he learns Michael man's up i think that's what he learns from cruise in that moment though right like part of the reason he's imitating cruise partially in that moment is because i think that's when it clicks for him where he's like the only reason that guy is good at this and has like gotten this far with me and all this stuff is because he just push like he just pushes he just does it yeah he just says he's he just acts like it's going to go well and pushes his way through it and does it with <laughs> he's confidence totally a mirror ethan hunt yeah yeah he really yeah. is yeah just it, 
We have to get it done. Yeah. The the other option is not, and we right. can't do that. He's the Ethan Hunt that you know actually goes rogue. Mm. You know what I mean? Like he's the actual rogue agent, Ethan Hunt that every movie is afraid Ethan Hunt has become. Dude, I would love to read Collateral as a late sequel to. Oh, the Mission that would Impossible. be awesome. Be Retired amazing. Ethan Hunt. He's, he's just done. Everyone he's ever loved private is sector. dead. Yep. He's just time to do it. Yeah. Time to do it. This is good. Yeah, you're right. It's it's uh, and also about that scene is a uh, little Javier Bardem actually. Oh my god, yeah, I young can, Javier Bardem. I shows didn't up. even recognize until they finally did like a real close up on him. Yeah, well, he does that thing where like because he's very like serious, but then he does something very sing song, <laughs> and as soon as it gets, you're like, that's Javier. That's the, that's the guy from the fucking Fifth Pirates movie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah, that's never how seen we that all movie. remember him. <laughs> my house is inundated with with oh, <laughs> pirates and depth stuff right now because Jenna's on the I keep verge seeing, of doing her depth show. I uh, keep seeing fringe. log more Johnny Depp movies, and I'm like, oh, I, this I'll is research. I'll tell you what, man. Rango is perfect. I really want to see Rango. Fucking see Rango. fucks. That movie's awesome. <laughs> it's it's like. That was one of those where we're like, yeah, let's put it on. We'll see how Rango is. And 10 minutes in, we're like, this is a goddamn masterpiece. Yeah. It's perfect. I remember seeing like some making of footage of that that was actually kind of remarkable, the way they like made and shot that it's movie. It's fantastic. You know what's not fantastic? Secret Window. Oh, yes, yeah. Secret Window. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I ever saw great. that one. That oh, was... I've seen it like 10 times because it was on HBO for a while. Uh, yeah, so. yeah. I watched it on HBO yeah. Go. <laughs> yeah, that movie is powerfully okay. <laughs> it is like powerfully uh-huh. okay. It is uh-huh. it is fun, and it's like one of the last times that Johnny Depp's like really having fun before celebrities started yeah, crumbling. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's something. I watched it, I'm like, this motherfucker wrote Jurassic Park? Okay. <laughs> Uh, Wait, that's written by the guy that wrote Jurassic Park? Written and directed, David Kep. I believe it was oh, his yeah. directorial... No, it was not his directorial debut. I believe he did a stir of echoes with Kevin, Kevin Bacon. Bacon. And, uh, yeah. I think a little bit of... This might be a joke. I think it might be a Jim Gaffigan joke. A little bit of Kevin Bacon's celebrity relies on the fact that people really like Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's true. And not he's a talented, awesome actor. But, you know, that's really funny. But anyway, so Max gets to this nightclub scene. Oh, yeah, the nightclub And this scene. is the scene where his sudden burst of confidence starts to backfire in that the surveillance that's happening through some sort of FBI CCTV thing, uh, they now understand him to be Vincent. Vincent. But Mark Ruffalo knows better. Yo, it, th- I love that his detective is just like, from the moment this stuff starts happening, he's like, I don't know. I don't know. Heard a similar story five, six years ago? I don't know. Well, he's playing every detective yeah. I've seen in any detective movie, yeah. you know, where it's like everyone else is like, yeah, closed case. And he's yeah. like, I don't know. This how, doesn't seem right. How closed Something is it? stinks. <laughs> Sometimes when God closes a case, he opens a window. He uh, he plays the same character in Zodiac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, oh, right. And he fixes his little bow tie. I fucking mm-hmm. love Zodiac. It's yeah. a perfect movie. It, it's yeah, a perfect masterpiece. Absolutely. Yeah, And, yo, that book reads... Uh, the Zodiac, like, well, like, because a lot of true crime. I know what you mean, but that was very funny. A lot of true funny. crime because it fucking reads, you know. Like, I was, I would read it at the gym and be like, man, oh, this I is like, it's good. Yeah, it's good. You can borrow it. I have it. It's, it's actually yeah. not a difficult read. It's pretty simple because we never caught the guy. So whatever the fuck he is, um, but uh, <laughs> Mark Ruffalo's, uh, I, I like that. That I mean, we don't really know much about his background. Right. We do know that he's the undercover cop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We do know that he has kind of personal stakes in this case as yeah. a result. But you said something earlier on when he's yeah. referencing some of the other stories of, I thought maybe there was another guy involved in this murder. Yeah. Uh, I heard a story back in the day. You asked, is he referring to a case that he worked? Right. And now that we're talking about it, I think yes. I did cut because he just seems so obsessed with this. Yeah. 
It, it's, well, the reason he's casting doubt, or maybe he was in a case where they determined there wasn't another guy involved, and then he realized maybe he was wrong, and so it, now he's sensitive to that. It just feels like, um, I mean, this maybe maybe this is dumb on my part, but like these circumstances start occurring, and the one detective in Los Angeles that happens to know about this one story from Oakland happened. Do you know what I mean? It, like, it seemed weird that he just mm. immediately was like, I heard about this other case that was exactly like this case. Yeah, yeah. Unless it was like, he kind of has his own Will Graham-like obsession with this like thing that happened. You know what I mean? Like there was this thing that happened earlier in his career and it just never felt right to him. It didn't, you know, like yeah, I so kinda, he went hard undercover. I kind of got that read on it that it was like this thing happened and it never felt right to me. And now it feels like it's happening again, and I refuse to like let it blow by like mm. it did the last time. If I that like makes how sense. Three like different characters in this in this movie. They're like, all well all have profiling skills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a superpower. Yeah. Now his death is one of the big gut it's punches of the movie. Crazy. That really, really gets you. Because um, you do, you well, like that's your first. That's quite literally the first moment of relief in this whole yes. movie. The, the tension never really, you know, goes down, and. That's the one moment where you're like, finally, I think we're getting towards the end here. Yeah. This guy believes him. Cops are involved. Yeah. And then Tom Cruise executes him like a cold-ass motherfucker. Mercilessly, the same way he does everybody else, two in the chest, one in the head. Oh, I love, we, we totally skipped over that great scene where he zip-ties uh, Max to the steering wheel. Yeah. And so he tries to get people to come see his <laughs> yeah. plight. And guys take it as a chance to mug them, but they steal the uh, the briefcase the briefcase that has all of the hits and he's in it. not leaving here without, without that, briefcase. that briefcase. God, I love that. Yeah. But yeah, then two in the chest, one in the head. But also, doesn't he give Jamie Fox his wallet back too? That he does. He does. Yeah, yeah, he gets a, because a he does of kind of respect there. him. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's. I think that says it. Yeah. He's classy to that degree. He knows his jazz. Mm-hmm. He can engage you. <laughs> yeah. But he's. He also has to put two in your chest and one in your head. One thing I noticed this time around, mm-hmm. which uh, to your question of maybe he did not die on that train, yeah, he was yeah. just seeing that as an out. At the same time, he did not get one in the head for Mark Ruffalo. Mm. He got two in the chest and one in the shoulder. And when they showed him laying in the doorway, his oh, yeah, hand he was, was like still going. A little bit, yeah. And mm. so in another world, we could see like this case happens again. And now Dirty Harry Mark Ruffalo is ready to pull out all the stops to take out this guy who has evaded him as a a ghost for Mm. so many cases. Yeah, And now he's like eating out of a tube and he's all just, oh, I want this movie. It'll be called Collateral because it's the sequel (laughs) to Later. (laughs) (laughs) Would it be great if this movie was, it was actually Collateral and it was all about like he had to get some medicine. Collateral. I could do this all fucking night. It do, I think it does take place in one night, right? They're just like up all night. Maybe mm-hmm. they are doing collateral. At the end, yeah. At the end, it's like four forty-five, I believe, yeah, when yeah. his phone runs out of juice. The right. phone that he swiped off of just some random dude. <laughs> but yeah, that was weird though. That it does like I feel at four in the morning. That is when people do start doing work things. So it was weird for everything to be so empty. And mm. it's yeah, you know, I, I, you you mentioned at the beginning that it was weird that the movie didn't play to take. Plague taste. Wow, take place in New York yeah, City. Yeah, because I think of cab cabs movies go with that. As New York City, yeah. L.A. has notoriously bad public transportation, yeah. notoriously mm-hmm. bad traffic. But it would make sense to do a movie like this in L.A. because in New York it would just be gridlock. Yeah, the yeah, cops yeah. would get them five minutes in. 
in LA, there's a chance, and you know, Michael Mann loves LA, so that's just yeah, there's yeah, no it's, negotiating. It's his that. aesthetic, yeah. baby. But there's and a lot of opportunities to drive at night and have neon lights in the yep. background and all that fun and, and string lights. Love string lights. All of the things. String I lights love. and reflections of windows of in in skyscrapers. Yes, that's all he is. I'll but take them all, please. There's more of an opportunity for that in LA in a way that is believable yeah. regarding traffic as opposed yeah. to New York. Yeah. He is obsessed with the realism of his movies, too. He didn't do the thing, and it's in Public Enemies, um, where the camera exits the car, and the people are talking in the car, mm-hmm. and you cannot hear them as a result. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, Altman does it, yeah. and Man does it, but yeah. he didn't do that here, and I think it's because, like, I'm thinking of Public Enemies, there's a certain shot where you can hear nothing, but it's also very unimportant, whereas in this movie, everything that happens in yeah. the car is quite important. Mm-hmm. They do a fun thing visually that Tom Cruise's character is always behind the divider. Yeah. Always has text or the reflection of streetlights over his mm-hmm. face. We don't really get a clear shot of him uh, whenever he's in the cab. It's only when he's out of the cab. Yeah. Um, I kind of like that. I do uh, too. It suggests sort of a separation between the mother and the cab, which I suspect might dissolve throughout the movie as he moves more towards the center of the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the only time that they ever really see each other as full-bodied men as opposed to just heads in a divider is when they step out. And those are always the moments That's when it gets real. Yeah. Which, to me, is why it's it's so cathartic when Max decides to crash the cab. Because yeah, that's that the moment awesome. where he realizes, like, I actually am in control here. This guy, you know, he doesn't have any qualms about killing me, but he doesn't want to die. And I actually do have a weapon here, and if he uses his, it actually will kill us both. And that's the one time that that divider in the cab is mm. dissolved because Tom Cruise's character, Vincent, uh, realizes, like, if I don't actually become engaged with this guy, it's suddenly my ass on the line. Yeah. And we, what a great divider. We watched Starship, Starship Troopers the other night, uh, and there's yes. that awesome uh, line from uh, Michael Ironside towards the beginning that's about, like, choice is, like, the only thing you have or something. Yeah. And there's this, like, really interesting line Tom Cruise has where he is talking to Jamie Foxx, like, oh, you have no, no choice, like, in this situation. So, like, oh, what are you going to do about uh, it? take comfort in knowing that you never had a choice. Yeah, and it's, yeah. like, so dismissive. Like, he's just like, yeah, there's nothing you can do here. And, like, then Jamie Foxx takes that moment and, like, very much proves there is something he can do here. That, that scene was, like, the tail end of that, like, as that scene was building to him finally, mm-hmm. like, just taking control... That's when I was thinking, like, this movie's literally about, like, the, the, the dark internet dudes that are, like, I'm just going to rationalize my way through everything. Everything, you know, because everything's meaningless. Like, here's my new logic. My logic is the we're insignificant in the mm-hmm. universe. And because of that, then whatever I do doesn't matter. And he just, like, as soon as he hears that, he, like, kind of snaps. He's like, all right, well, if it doesn't fucking matter, then this doesn't fucking matter. Like, I'll drive this car off the road. Who gives a shit? You just told me you don't matter. And I don't starts, matter either. He kind of starts screaming about, like, the it had to be perfect thing that he keeps bringing up yeah. uh, with, like, why he hasn't, like, gone on to do his dreams. Like, right. everything had to line up and be perfect, yeah. uh, which is, like, really cool that that's also happening. There's this, like, weird break where mm-hmm. he just, like, is is making a move where it's very obvious that's, like, not a thing he's good at doing What's in his yeah. life also. Vincent says something like, and all that kept you from it was a down payment on a on a Lincoln Town yep. car. Right, yeah. yeah. You know, and so and that's kind of where he decides, like, yeah, I can just fucking break this. Yep. But what you're saying about the way that he justifies his logic, the, uh, uh, you know, take comfort in knowing you never had a choice, that says so much about how Vincent has uh, 
just distance from what he's actually doing is, well, no, I, I don't know this story. This is my paycheck. I have to pay my bills. So what if this is how I do it? You know, like I, I used to work at a foreclosure firm and I fucking hated it because every day I had to find a reason to be like, well, you know, I do have bills, but I was also working for a bank mm-hmm. that needed to foreclose. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was soul draining because it was tough to make that. But he's definitely made that choice that's like, listen, I don't get involved. It's these are probably bad guys, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't have a choice. I don't have a choice. I gotta pay my bills. This is my skill. Mm-hmm. What am I gonna do? Work at a Walmart? You don't want that. I don't yeah. want that. That's it. That's like and the thing that all Michael Mann it. movies are about, right? It's just like men that do war- like jobs that are uh, outside of the, I guess, like normal structure, right? Well, I think it's it's men who either are so good at their job that they become dispassionate, or men that have wrongfully assigned their passion to a job that should be dispassionate. Right, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he yeah, right. He and he's exploring both of those mentalities in this mm-hmm. movie because they're, you know, the Max and Vincent represent sort of both ends of that spectrum. Mm-hmm. E- even a Ruffalo's character, we don't get a lot about his background, but I think I think we touched upon the idea that like he's obviously seen some shit and being undercover is not very easy, but He's probably got a story he tells himself about how he's going to do it, mm. and he probably brought some personal passion into a, uh, an event that should have been handled dispassionately. And you know, then vice versa, you have Vincent, who is completely dispassionate about the taking of lives. You know, and but got to get the job done. And yeah, that's wild. And I think it's something that most people struggle with, uh, male and female. It's it's the hardest thing about work is like I have to be passionate about it to be good at it, so that I can pay my way to do my passion right and it's so hard to balance those passions and still it not i feel so bad for the people at my job that have become their job but at the same time like they're gonna make a lot more money than me but i can't become that job Uh because i want to become this podcast you know like it's Uh but for real you know it's like yeah that's that's the difference yeah and that's that's something that I think with Michael Mann being in the 80s before where we are now in the gender conversation, there was more of an expectation for the man to be defined by what he can uh, build financially. And we're we're finally getting away from that idea, but it's still programmed into all... I mean, we all live in a patriarchal system where that affects everything. And so these guys have worth defined by their jobs and their aspirations. Yeah. economically and the, you know man did that in the 80s where that was like out in the open now it's a little bit you know more retracted but i don't know at what point i'm getting at but it's it's interesting to see how that followed into 2004 yeah as opposed to 1988 was that manhunter yeah something like something that like yeah yeah it's interesting that they're 20 years apart right like mm. yeah and he's still kind of like you know, exploring that specific idea about like masculinity and what it means for well, men and as to are be we. men, and it's going to change yeah, yeah. with time. Yeah, it's I really should rewatch Black Hat, but I suspect that that movie is is solely about man getting the computers back. <laughs> it has nothing to do with any of that shit. But uh-huh. I, uh, I really want to see that. Um, I would like to watch it again because I was a little mixed on it in the theater, but yeah, I've seen more man in the interim. I think I've heard there's like a director's cut maybe that's all right too. I don't know. It's like Black Hat 2.0. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm very into Collateral. I think it's fantastic. I liked it a lot. Well, so the one thing I wanted to talk about is really quick is the way it looks because to to me and I don't know this for sure it looks like it was shot digitally. Let's see. Uh, it does have such an interesting look 
to it. It's got a very distinctive look that is very different from the way other Michael Mann movies look. Mm -hmm. There's tons of mannerisms, if you will. I will. Yes, thank you, thank you. Um, there's that uh, that look that you talked about in your driver article a little bit. The like the the cool like night neon driving look. Yeah, that like the the blown out kind of. Oh yeah, the yeah. lights. All the lights are like blown yeah, out. There's like, like a very similar look to that. Like it's like trying to grasp on to that '80s aesthetic and, and that, that he is, had. That's the Michael Mann aesthetic. Yeah. you know what I mean. Like that is what um, Manhunter looks like. That's mm-hmm. what Thief looks like. Um, but there is like. For one thing, this movie has a lot more yellow than um, his earlier movies do. Mm-hmm. Um, his earlier movies are much more like blue and cold and clinical. Mm-hmm. This one's like a little bit warmer um, with a lot of yellows. And the other thing is just it's much more like handheld and on the ground and in everybody's face. Yeah, It's like a lot of really tight shots. Uh, and And... To me, this was his first digital. digital. It he did certain portions of Ali digital, okay. which I've never seen that. Me but neither. this um, is all digital. This is all digital, but there's actually a lot of words about it. There's like an American cinematographer thing because it looks about it. But yeah, it looks very interesting. It looks better than most digitally shot movies. I feel like, especially of this time, but also looks very digital. Well, he's does a that guy make sense? that. Well, he's a guy that it does look very digital, but it I think it is true to his aesthetic in that. He's a guy that when someone's driving down the street, you better believe that he has coordinated what every piece of that strip of road yeah, looks like. Yeah. You know, he put it all in, in pre-productions that, and that still shows up on digital. Yeah. And um, but I think with the crispness of it, he was able to get tighter on people as opposed to having yeah. that dreamy feel. When we have the drone shots over looking bird's eye view yeah, yeah. down on Los Angeles, those are much crisper than what he typically does. But mm-hmm. he doesn't do bird's eye shots until two thousand four when he was doing that. And so, yeah, he's definitely, like, aware of how the digital makes it crisper, but we still get that same L.A. smog feel. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. It's, like, it's got a distinctly different look than his other movies, but it's extremely a Michael Mann movie. Yeah. Do you know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah. I think a lot of movies were brown in this period. Yeah, I think I you're right. Like was that, that was sort of the thing. Didn't tra- Wasn't Traffic, like, a real, like... Traffic... Well, Traffic had four color schemes. Oh, you're right, because each one was for each but one, But one of yeah. them was, and Super kind of the, the anchor one, yeah. was the green-yellow-brown kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. That corn color <laughs> that was, uh, that was uh, you know, prominent in 2004. You mean with a K, right? No, but if you actually look at the animation for the Freak on a Leash music video by Korn, that yes. does have that right? yellow tone yeah, to it. Yeah, that's why I thought it was yellow. Yellow. It yes. is of the. No, I just meant like Korn, the like, food. Like Korn is Or as is yellow? the Native Americans called it, maize. Mm. Mm. We all remember that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, that from elementary school. Mm-hmm. No, there was a. Uh, uh, the first feature film shot digitally, of course, were Lars von Trier's The Idiots and Thomas Vinterberg's The Celebration because they were doing the Dog Me 95 oh, yeah, thing. Oh, yeah, right. Um, and then from there, it just kind of blew up. There was Slumdog Millionaire was like a first one mm. for Danny Boyle. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Phantom Menace was filmed, but then in the second one, they did the uh, they went to digital for Attack yep. of the Clones. And so, uh, yeah, so Michael Mann right got period. his feet wet in 2000 with Ali uh, and then went full digital with Collateral. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. Yeah, because it just, there's, and it's, it's, I don't know what it is. It's like when the camera is tight on somebody and there's a lot of movement, you can really see like how digital it is. Yeah, yeah. Does that kind of make it is like well, because it goes handheld and it gets up in people's faces to a point where there's a couple shots where I'm like, I don't know how they are not acknowledging the camera because right. it's that close. Yeah, but yeah. 
credit to them as actors. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. I was like really fascinated by the way it looked, mostly because I, I Michael Mann's aesthetics are like so important to me as far as like what I like about his movies. How important are random interjections of Audio Slave songs and Wolves? Can we talk about that? Okay, for a we bit? can talk about Wolves. Audio Slave songs are like neither here nor there for me personally. I never listened to them in the context of the movie. I was fine with the use of them as a. As a way to break up the score, as it were, and yeah. then the nightclub scene, which came next, that was all house music. Yeah. I think that it works, but it is off-putting when it starts. Yes. It's very off-putting. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, but I also loved the score. It's like definitely the, a, yeah. yeah, the it's, score is very good. It's definitely like a, it's a very big departure from the score. Yeah. Yeah. It's but definitely a dad. Of course, trying Michael to, Mann loves obviously. It's a yeah. dad trying to keep up with the times. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean, and getting it wrong. He's like, "Oh, these guys are good, audio slave." I think now it's a thing where I'm like immediately ejected. Like, what's playing now? Yeah, like, yeah, I watched yeah, yeah. a fucking ghost ship a couple weeks ago, <laughs> and I was ship. like, "Damn, it was all fucking butt rock yeah. like that in that movie." Was and it I was really? like, mm, "Yeah." I remember two things about ghost ship: the wire gag at the beginning, because that was the era where we That's learned how for people awesome. to cut in half yeah. without yeah. being cut in half yet. Yeah. Um, we we learned that technique, so it was in every movie. Mm-hmm. And Underworld. when they were eating the <laughs> yes, they were eating the pascettis out of the can and then it turned out to be worms yep ah, that was so, so gross. gross yeah that was so gross mm-hmm. but that's the thing too where it's like it was just movies like around like a certain time it was like yes of course this music is gonna be in yeah. these movies yeah have you ever seen the remake of the fog i have not no. it's it's no good but that movie starts and it's so indicative of the era that it's in much in the same way that that is indicative with that music this first song in the fog is that go down the fog which has this incredible score was remade with goddamn fallout boy that's oh, so funny dear god that's so funny but yeah the score to this movie is good very good yeah i, I like the score yeah the music playing at the end uh, i was really really into yeah that was gnarly yeah. it, it was like a good i think it was um we have to look up who it was but there was like a good mix of what sounded like riffs on tangerine dream which we know michael mann is yeah. a fan of um but yeah, then it got like heavier at points. But yeah, the two needle drops of Audio Slave and Paul Oakenfold mm-hmm. were definitely weird. But I think the se- the, the, the wolves, the, man. the content of that scene is interesting. I really like because that scene. these wolves go across the street in the middle I think of it's one Los wolf. Angeles. I think it's like notably one wolf, if I'm not mistaken. There was two. There's two. One goes across that's little, and then one that's bigger makes eye contact with them. Oh, I thought it was just two different shots of the same wolf. It, it could be that. I might be wrong. I, yeah, I'm not sure. Because I thought it was notably one wolf, and that was like some of what was going on, like thematically. It was it was like a lone wolf thing. Oh, James Newton Howard did the music. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, he's like just one of those guys that did everything. Yeah, I liked your take on the wolf though, because I so I thought it was one, and I thought it was just meant to be like a lone wolf kind of thing, which is like a lot of what it seems like uh, Tom Cruise's character is like going through is that he's just like alone in the world because he sort of has designed this life around his work that means he has to just be totally singular and alone. And so as you were saying before, Tori, he like these these people that he basically kidnaps into helping him murder are like his only his only friends, relationships. His only yeah. relationships. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, I think that ties into what I was saying though because but I, yeah, I thought your take on it was very interesting though. I like I it. think that that is similar to what I'm saying because on the one hand, yes, he is a lone wolf. 
but these are wolves that are just walking across the highway. And so this is a movie that puts a whole host of people out of their element. Yeah. And they have to just kind of survive. How does a wolf that is meant to be in a wooden glen in the middle of the forest, or I don't know where wolves are supposed to live. Um, a wooden glen. Big bad ones live outside of cabins that they wish to get into. It's true. Yes. Um, they will huff and puff about it. Yeah. And, uh, the, uh, it, and so, you know, they're all wolves that are, in an environment that's not typical to them. Jamie Foxx is now killing people. Right, Tom right. Cruise is now dealing with, you know, he's got an anchor on him that he's kind of got a fondness right, for. Right, right, yeah. Uh, but that is sort of what makes a lone wolf. A lone wolf is someone who goes, I am foreign to this environment, so I will take pride in the fact that I am the outlier. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I think at that moment when Vincent sees them, he's also thinking, like, we are at a point right now where I'm not a ghost. I'm a wolf in the middle of a goddamn mm -hmm, highway. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They can see me. I exist now. This is getting dangerous. We're hitting yeah. critical mass. Mm -hmm. So I think as like a triple function uh, of this whole idea of just like identifying oneself in a world that you're at odds with, you know, to identify, to not identify, it comes to a head there. I get, you know what? It just occurred to me. Like I do, I really like that scene. That you were saying that like that's a contentious scene among uh, yeah, uh, yeah. fans, it, and it's because of the music. I'm I, sure. Yeah, yeah, and and I also I get it. Generally, it's like it's a little weird, and I think maybe if you're not like totally into Michael Mann or familiar with this stuff, it's it's a little confusing. But it's like that's this movie's coffee shop scene from yeah. Heat. It's that 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 scene is very on the nose and direct about like these are the things that this movie is about. Here they are in mm -hmm. this like visual thing of the, of the wolf in the highway, you know. And right after that the movie kind of doesn't stop right. and up until yeah. then it does stop. You yep. do it doesn't stop and that's like kind of the one point like There's a little bit as of a much breather as there. This is about being relentless. It would become a functional if it became purely relentless. So that's like a good breath there where you go <gasps> Audio slave. <laughs> what the fuck? But yeah, I like that wolf allegory. I think that's cool. Yeah. Michael Mann is a wolf marching amongst the highway of Hollywood, yeah. growling at things that pass him by because he doesn't quite understand them, but he doesn't care because he can shoot anything beautifully. <laughs> that's him. I think Michael I've Mann. I think I've run out of collateral juice. Yeah, man, I'm tired. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, yeah, I fucking really like this movie. I'm glad we decided yeah. to do this one. Yeah. This then, is up there, and this is like when you look up Michael Mann on IMDb, it's one of the ones he's known for. I think this is like our third Michael Mann movie on the show. At least we did we've this, done we Man, did Man Hunter, Hunter. We did Thief. We did Thief. Do we have any other ones? I don't know if we have. I'm actually real curious to see Ali. Yeah, I've never he's seen a it. fascinating person, yeah. and I think Will Smith is a very good actor yeah. when he's paired with a good thing, and I think it's a good thing for him. And, uh, yeah, I'd be curious to see that. I'd be curious to see. I that. just I like watching long. Michael Mann movies. I want to see Michael Mann shooting boxing. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that uh, that's important to me. Yeah, that's I feel like that's probably a good idea. I need to uh, see Last of the Mohicans again. I saw that in high school I've and was bored by it. I haven't seen that either. Never yeah. seen it. Yeah, like him shooting like like yeah. woodland action. I think it would actually be kind of yeah. It's like it's weird to think about, but it, now but does it's cool. Daniel Day Lewis play a Native American man? I don't remember, and it's sad that that's an honest question we have to ask. <laughs> yeah, well, because I'm curious, because I mean, that's before we were kind of in the, yeah, the conversation yeah, yeah. as it were now. Yeah. And it was but, Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, yeah, knowing Daniel Day Lewis, I would expect that he did somehow like change his genetics <laughs> to actually become Native American, yeah. which makes it okay in my yeah. in my book. He I did the work. He I don't did the think work. he does. I think it's about like colonizers and stuff. I, oh, because okay, so he's yeah. like a guy that, I, I oh, think. so he's the white guy that becomes one of them I, and then maybe, saves them yeah, all from the other white guys. That sounds right. Yeah, that sounds right. 
I'm pretty sure. Right. I'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah. it's like the same story as like the Last Samurai. It's the Last yeah, of the yeah, Mohicans. Yeah. The Last. I think it's like all that. Which same brings us back shit. to Tom Tommy Cruise. C. Yeah. Uh, so you guys all liked it. It was good. Yeah, I yeah. did really like right this on. movie. This is this was good. Right and on. and now we're getting back in the groove. Well, I think we'll get another one of these in. We'll squeeze another one in. This yeah, one. we'll squeeze one. I think in we somewhere. can find one in. We yeah, can, we can find time to get another one of these in, and then. We'll be back on track, back on schedule. I and Murder House like will have a whole new studio that will be, be so like excited. very fun. It'll be great. When yeah. does Once Upon a Time in Mexico? No, that's the other one. Hollywood. <laughs> Soon. <laughs> is it August or is it July? It's July. Well, here's the it's thing. It's July. I'm okay. seeing it on. Uh, oh, I can't say when I'm seeing it. But there's there's no I know. there's I know there's no plus ones. I, I'm aware. Yeah, I'm aware. Okay. I know you're saying, but like we can try but to I make sure we see it. I know it's I like two days before, right? Yeah. yeah, it's like right there. Yeah. Cool. Uh, we should make that an episode. Yeah. I feel like that is that's yeah. gonna be the thing. Yeah. That's gonna be the thing to see. We can try to make sure we get out to see that the weekend it comes out, and then we should be able to do it. Yeah. The more I see that new trailer for it, I'm like, I'm really excited about this. I feel like it's one of those things like. If anyone could ever be called a Hollywood fanboy, it is Quentin Tarantino. Mm. And for him to make what by all accounts is like a just, uh, you know, lazily plotted uh, movie that's just about the world of Hollywood during the new Hollywood era. Man, I want to see that's it's gonna be a meditation on his whole career yeah where he imitated and updated styles from this machine that he loves and and found his way into from an odd angle and then became emblematic of hollywood i i, mm-hmm. I can't wait and it's it's filled with people who did that and are doing that yeah. dicaprio did yeah. that brad pitt did that margot robbie's doing that it's I'm it's gonna be phenomenal. to watch pitt and uh DiCaprio, DiCaprio together. Know, yeah. They seem to work really well in this, so I'm I'm looking July twenty fifth. Yeah. Oh, Ooh. they're gonna be so good together. Yeah, I think, I'm I excited. Think that would be I think we can make that work. Yeah. Yeah, and then we can get we can get that in. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, we can try to squeeze also, that Kurt in. Russell's in it. Oh, and I, do you think maybe he plays a ancestor of stuntman Mike? I hope so. Because that would be cool. He talks about his brother in Death Proof or is it, yeah, I think his brother. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, someone yeah. like was like trying to make you know some like article connections between those things, and I was like, nah, I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. well, I'm Tarantino's movies do tend to take place in some sort of connected universe yeah. of some kind. They're together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could maybe do that. So we'll, we'll try we'll and squeeze it in. We'll yeah. see what's happening. But yes, if not, we'll get something out there for yeah. you guys. Thank you for your patience yeah. with us. And uh, I'm just. I'm so excited. I'm going to Europe for the first time, guys. Just to do it. I'm so excited for you. So it's going to be cool. I'm absolutely fucking terrified. You're going to be in England, um, right? England and uh, Edinburgh. Okay. England's super fun. England, you've been there? Just Yeah, just find a pub and hang out with some people and drink beer. It's great. I want to eat fish and chips out of a newspaper. Yes. (laughs) Also, uh, cheese and onion pies are amazing. That sounds incredible. Uh Yep. That's essentially what I had at Taco Bell today. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, so there, exciting, because of man. these things, there's going to be some delays. But yeah. we're not we're not leaving you. We're out here living life. Uh, Got to do it. Yeah. But uh, so you can find all of us on cinema76.com. Yes. Um, Tori's been uh, writing more of her uh, Cronenberg series, which mm-hmm. is about like sex and gender in Cronenberg movies, which I'm very excited about. Uh, we both had like some Godzilla pieces up recently that were pretty fun. Uh, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at Philadelphia. That's with an F, letterbox.com slash Philadelphia. I still review every single movie I watch. Uh, and I'm on farsightedblog.com occasionally. Check me out over there too. Yep, same here. Cinema76.com, Findy.com, 
check out the latest issue of Movie John for oh, a yeah. double dose of movie movie goodness. <laughs> uh, got our names in print on that, doing some fun stuff. I got a Pee Wee's piece. You've got some road got trip haikus. haikus. I cannot yeah. wait to read this. And it's also like the first of like a heightened edition of Movie John, like a new design. I'm very excited. Uh, yeah, get yeah. it in your in your paws and uh, definitely support them as well. And uh, of course, our friends at Cinepunks, and uh, of course, I said I like to movie. And I should throw this out there: uh, they're still in the fundraising portion of Jenna's Johnny Depp: A Retrospective oh, yeah. on Late Stage Capitalism, which is going to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And even though the uh, Indiegogo has completed. Uh, they're still very thankful for a lot of donations that have been coming in just straight through things like Venmo and stuff like that. So thank you to everyone who did that. And if you would like to do that, uh, at less than a muffin is where you can throw any sort of donation to uh, the trip to Edinburgh. Uh, so yeah, very proud of the lady and uh, just hope that it goes well. And money helps because that'll give her some place to stay, which means that I get to save a couple bucks <laughs> on the line. That filters down. It's trickled down a common economy of savings. <laughs> yes. Uh, there you go. Tori, where can people find you? Uh, well, I am also on Letterboxd and stuff. But more importantly, uh, my podcast, Butter With That, uh, we are... Uh, butter with that on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, and my friend Connor always plugs our email. Just email us movie questions and whatnot. Butter with that podcast at gmail.com. And unfortunately, we are butter with that one on Twitter because someone else has just butter with that. So I'm just, I'm basically just going on podcasts to appeal this person who is hopefully listening to something and just give us the Twitter account. Um, but yes, <laughs> uh, yeah, follow us and, and listen to our stuff. We're also having weird scheduling stuff because this month is everyone's doing cool stuff. Summertime, so, summertime. yeah, it's summertime. Everyone's when the doing living is not easy. Things are getting <laughs> crazy, man. Mm -hmm. It's true. It is very true. As soon as you have pandas in your socks, it's fucking I awesome. Do. <laughs> very cool. <laughs> All yeah. right, guys, thank you so much. We love yeah. you. We love you. When uh, wait, how's this go? Uh, my name is Gareth Smith, and I like to movie movie. Sorry, there's like a piece of hair in my mouth. <laughs> my name is Dan Scully, and I like to movie movie. I'm Tori Potenza, and I like to movie Use movie. my own hair, too. <laughs> that's, that's so we all it. know that you like to movie movie because we, we like, like to movie. movie.